Eagles Entertainment. During this time, as folks are choosing to stay home, NovaCare Rehabilitation is offering tele-rehab right from the comfort of your home. For more information, go to NovaCare.com. NovaCare, the power of physical therapy. He kind of throws a forearm and he hits him and breaks his nose. And blood is just running out of his helmet. And I thought that Wes had killed him. Yeah, he got cheap shotted by one of the safeties. I can't even remember the kid's name, but uh, threw an elbow and got through the through the uh, face mask and hit him, broke his nose. It was obvious that immediately, and uh, he got taken out of the game and brought back to the locker room. Welcome to Return Game, presented by NovaCare Rehabilitation, a new podcast from Eagles Entertainment exploring the greatest games, players, coaches, and characters from Eagles history. I'm your host, Rob Ellis. To get the series started, we take a look at the House of Pain game, one of the most improbable games in Eagles history. Over the next four episodes, we'll hear from the Philadelphia Eagles and Houston Oilers, who are part of a game that defined the greatness and punishing defensive style of play that came to signify the Philadelphia Eagles of the late 80s and early 90s. In many ways, the House of Pain game was a microcosm for that era of Eagles football. But I'm getting way ahead of myself. It was 1991. George H.W. Bush was in the White House. We have an obligation to help others. The United States won the first ever FIFA Women's World Cup in China against Norway. In baseball, the Minnesota Twins took the World Series against the Atlanta Braves. And Michael Jordan and the Bulls beat Magic Johnson and the Lakers, capturing their first championship in franchise history. On the radio, Boys to Men in Motown Philly were topping the charts. Home Alone and Terminator 2 were the blockbusters that year. I'll be back. And in November, Ed Rendell was elected mayor of the city of brotherly love. But in South Philly, change was in the chilly January air. The Eagles had wrapped the 1990 season with a solid 10-6 record. For some, what seemed like out of the blue, Eagles owner Norman Brayman made a significant coaching change that would anger his players and fans. This is what he said at the time. I told Buddy I was grateful for the job that he did over the past five years, but I felt the team had not reached the level where we could progress into the future. That it was time to stop being the bridesmaid, basically, and become a bride. Pro Football Hall of Famer and Eagles historian Ray Didinger explains how in the case of Brayman and Ryan, opposites did not attract. They were two very different people. I mean, you have Norman Brayman, this very effete, wine-collecting, art-collecting guy who did live most of the year in the south of France. And then you have Buddy Ryan, who's your basic Kentucky horse farmer. I mean, they were two very different people, two very different personalities, and brought together uh, here in Philadelphia to run this football team. But their idea of how to run it could not have been more different. So Buddy Ryan was out. Buddy explained at his own press conference, I've been fired before, but usually it's for losing. I've never been fired for winning before. Like I told Brayman, it's his football team, and he can do whatever he wants. It's no big deal. Buddy Ryan's going to land on his feet somewhere. I always do. Buddy Ryan had come to Philly after a very successful run as the defensive coordinator in Chicago. He coached a Bears team that not only won a Super Bowl, but had arguably the best defense in the history of the NFL. 
When he arrived, Eagles fans were hoping some of that buddy ball, his hard-hitting style and play, would fly their way. It did. Here's Ray Dittinger. He got Philadelphia. He got these fans. He got this city. He understood the pulse of this community. And the one thing he understood right from the jump was I got to turn the attitude of this team around and I got to turn the attitude of these fans around and I got to put a little swagger back in their step. And boy, he did that the first day he walked in the door. But who did Norman Brayman believe could replace Buddy Ryan? Here's Merrill Reese, the voice of the Eagles. Rich Kotai wasn't immediately named. When Buddy was fired and had his own press conference, he's the first time anyone's ever been fired for winning. And he had a racehorse later by the name of Fired for Winning. But anyhow... They announced that they were considering Rich Kotite and Jeff Fisher, who was the defensive coordinator, if anybody could be the defensive coordinator with Buddy as the head coach. And the defensive guys loved Fisher. And then later that afternoon, the Eagles announced that Rich Kotite was chosen as the new head coach, which did not go over well. I think everybody on the defensive side of the ball was pretty upset about it and pretty rebellious towards the new coaching staff that was coming in at the beginning. We had spent so many years, five years, you know, under Buddy as head coach and, you know, primarily, you know, defensive guru for our defense at that time. He was a father figure to a lot of guys on that team. So to see him relieve his duties, you know, to say that, you know, the guys were really upset, you know, would be an understatement. Remember that voice. It's former Eagles linebacker Seth Joyner. We're going to be hearing from him a lot in this series because he went on to have a spectacular role under some pretty remarkable circumstances in this memorable House of Pain game. In 1991, the player-media relationship looked a little bit different than it does today. Some of the players weren't afraid to share their true feelings. I was on on a bus outside the hotel, sitting on the bus, to go to the stadium in Seattle for a game. And Seth Joyner gets onto the bus, and that morning, for some reason, somebody showed me an article in the New York Times where Seth Joyner was quoted as saying that Richie Kotite is nothing but a puppet for Brayman. And Seth gets on the bus. I said, Seth, did you see what they're writing about you? And I showed him the paper. He looked at it and started to laugh. He said, it's all true. And then, of course, they forced him to to backtrack and retract some of it, but but he meant it. As for Coach Rich Kotite, he was optimistic he could fulfill Brayman's expectations of winning a championship. This is what he said at the time. Quote, that's what I'm here for, to do it and do it soon. Do it next year, and I certainly think we're going to have a good season next year because a lot of things are intact. When you sign on as a coach, you sign on with that responsibility. But there was a good reason the 1991 defense had lingering loyalties to Coach Buddy Ryan. As Seth Joyner explains, Buddy was the man who brought many of these players together. We had been together for quite some time at that point. You know, when Buddy came in in 86, Reggie White and Andre Waters and Wes Hopkins, they were already a part of the team. Those were the only three holdovers on the team. And then that year, my rookie year, Clyde Simmons and myself, we were drafted in the the eighth and ninth rounds. I want to say two years later, um, Jerome Brown was drafted in the first round. um, And Byron Evans was drafted, I think, the year after. um, And Eric Allen, Keith Jackson were basically, you know, he was building his team. Reggie was a major influence because you can only be a leader if you're productive. 
You know, if you're not productive on the field, then guys won't follow. And Reggie White certainly was, you know, productive. But I want to say the real leader on our defensive team was um, Jerome Brown. And not only was he productive, but he was boisterous. He was outgoing. All the things that you would want you know, a leader to be. But we were so stacked on the defensive side of the ball. There were so many great players. Any team could have plucked any one of the starting 11 off of our team and put them on their team, and you would have had a high-quality performing player. To add to the mix of new personalities that season, Bud Carson was appointed defensive coordinator. I really didn't know what to expect with Bud Carson as our new defensive coordinator. There was some pushback because obviously, you know, a lot of the guys had played together under Buddy for quite some time. And we were learning a new defense, but at the same time, Buddy's defense was still fresh in our brains. So I don't think anybody had any great expectations for that year. Um, you know, with the head coaching change, with the new offensive coordinator, um, personnel wasn't really that different. I didn't feel like anybody thought that that year would be any better or any worse than, you know, subsequent years. Luckily for Gang Green, yep, the defense chose that name themselves. Bud Carson had similarities to the ousted Buddy Ryan, which went over very well with this tight-knit crew. Here's Byron Evans, a middle linebacker who was drafted from the University of Arizona in 1987. I didn't know Coach Carson, but I knew that you know, the buzz was that he he orchestrated, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers defense, uh, steel curtain. So, you know, we we gave Bud a chance. You know, Bud is also, you know, was a defensive-minded guy, and um, we gave him a chance. Defensive end Clyde Simmons, who went on to play in the Pro Bowl after the 1991 and 1992 seasons, was open to the comparable coaching styles. Bud Carson came in here uh Pretty much a, very similar in philosophies, you know, attacking the quarterback, uh, creating pressure, you know, giving him limited options about what he can do in there. Uh, just a few wrinkles different than Buddy would do, you know, just a few wrinkles. Um, but, you know, Buddy had, you know, put that defense together. When Randall got hurt, we as a unit basically knew that, hey, we weren't too enthused about you know, our situation on, on the offensive side of the ball because Randall was a, a, a huge um, percentage of our offense. It was something that we uh, tried to make the, the most of and say, hey, defensively, we're going to have to carry this team. The Randall Clyde Simmons is referring to is Randall Cunningham, the franchise quarterback. Here's Ray Dinger. What's worth remembering is how impressive that whole team was in the preseason. In the preseason, they were really good. I mean, the defense was a given. You knew the defense was going to be there every week. But Randall was tremendous that preseason. I mean, that was, as far as a summer camp preseason went, that was the best he had ever looked. And for everything else that people want to say about Rich Kotite and his limitations as a coach, Richie had done a really good job of bringing Randall along at that point. I mean, Randall's best year really was the 90 season when Richie was calling the plays for him. And he got him through that preseason. And Randall looked, going into that week one game, we thought, man, he is poised to have a monster year. As good as he had been in other years, we really felt like 91 was going to be the year he was really going to put it all together. Bryce Pop, Pop Cunningham's deep. Randall knows it's bad. It was the first play of the second quarter of the opening game and Bryce Pop hit him and down he went and as they were carting him off the field we took a commercial break and Stan Walters who was doing the color at the time leaned over to me and said 
the season is over. Anytime they bring the John Deere out, anytime they bring the tractor out, that's not a good look. That's not a good sight. And we knew that we, you know, that was going to be serious and it was going to look upon us to really take the reins of the team. After Randall went down at Lambeau Field in Green Bay, the team had to try to replace this crucial position with someone, and at this point, anyone who could get the job done. Uh, we had about close to about 10 quarterbacks, at least. At, at least. I could have played quarterback. Maybe I should have played quarterback. After, you know, Randall got hurt, Jim McMahon got hurt, then Pat Ryan, uh, Kenny O'Brien, uh, all, all those guys from the Jets they picked. I thought Joe Namath was going to come back with the white shoes. We had to still maintain and still uphold the, uh, the eagle green, the, the mantra that we, that we had. We just had to play eagle football for the city. That was Byron Evans describing the parade of quarterbacks who played for the Birds that season. I'm Jeff Kemp, and I enjoyed playing quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. I was with the Eagles in 1991. I started the season in Seattle, uh, played a few games as their quarterback, got cut after losing an, over, uh, an overtime game against the Raiders. The funny thing is the night before the call, my six-year-old was consoling me uh, about getting cut midseason as a starting quarterback. That wasn't normal. And uh, that night he said the prayer and he said, Dear God, please uh, give Daddy a new job. And the next morning, Harry Gamble called me up at like 8 in the morning and said, Hey, Randall Cunningham uh, broke his leg this year. And McMahon's had some injuries. He's getting knocked around. Uh, how soon can you get out here and play for us? And I was on a flight the next morning. I was uh, dominated by the feeling that you have as a sixth grader when you move cities and switch schools in the middle of the school year and you don't know anyone and you're trying to fit in practice was seemed to be very much of a free-for-all with less coaching control and the defense played really hard against the offense including when we were running our drills for two-minute offense or blitz drill and bud carson was doing a great job leading them but the guys were still probably sad and disappointed or maybe the word would be mad that buddy ryan uh, wasn't there anymore Here's Seth Joyner with his take on what was happening on both sides of the ball. You could already begin to see fractures between the offense and the defense because the defense was just really rounding into form, playing well, and offensively we were somewhat inconsistent. We were, we were really rounding into a defensive-dominated team. Um, it was really that mentality that, you know, okay, offense, don't mess it up in the defense and figure out a way for us to win. It's not usually that way, but that's kind of, you know, how it was. Leading up to the Monday night football game in Houston, Coach Kotite had settled into his first season as head coach, and even with a rotating cast of quarterbacks and some tensions between the offense and defense, the Eagles found a groove. Here's Seth Joyner again talking about what it was like being inside the best defense in the league the same defense that would play a crucial role against the Houston Oilers' run-and-shoot offense. So the dynamic was just, it was phenomenal to have that many good and great players playing on the same defense. But what it also created, it created this atmosphere of competition. Now, people would, a lot of people would say, oh, that's not healthy. Because if Reggie got three sacks, Jerome wanted four, and then Clyde wanted five, and I've been on teams before where that dynamic didn't work because guys became resentful of each other. That was never the case, you know, on our defense. 
it was just a healthy thing. It was a very, very healthy atmosphere and a great environment to be in because Buddy, you know, bred us to be tight, to be together. He, you know, tried to keep us together as much as he could. And what that created was an opportunity for us to learn about each other away from the game of football. So when you line up on Sundays, you weren't just playing for yourself. You were playing for your brother next to you. The Eagles went to Houston with a 7-5 and record. They had won four straight and had arguably the best defense in the NFL. The Oilers, led by Hall of Fame quarterback Warren Moon, were 9-3. and Their run-and-shoot offense was terrorizing opposing defenses, and they were 6-0 and at home. But according to Byron Evans, a man known for doing the beanie wiggle, a touchdown dance of sorts, the Eagles were overflowing with one particular quality. Confidence is nothing that we've ever lacked. We always had confidence on what we had to do, and we always stepped up to the challenge. But with the Eagles' defense and offense come together under Rich Kotite to contain the Houston Oilers' dominating offense... Andre Waters was running around the locker room screaming the week before the game, uh, the, the, the days before. He said, they bring the house, we bring the pain. They bring the house, we bring the pain. And that was prophetic. Next time on Return Game, House of Pain Game, presented by Novacare Rehabilitation, we head to Houston and hear from the high-flying Oilers and their potent run-and-shoot offense as the clash in the Astrodome looms. I mean, we were aware of what the, the Eagles' defense was all about, but at the same time, we were aware of how crappy their offense had been playing. So we obviously didn't think we were going to light up the scoreboard because they had those statistics for a reason. But at the same time, we felt like, hey, we can put two or three scores on and then let the defense take over. I'm Rob Ellis. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is a production of Eagles Entertainment and is produced and edited by Buffy Gorilla with sound design and mixing from Peter Kelly. And Eagles, thank you to all of our guests for sharing their stories. If you enjoyed this show, please give us a five-star rating. It will help other people discover the podcast. If you have ideas for topics we should explore in future seasons of Return Game, please leave us a comment. Eagles Entertainment produces several other great podcasts that you may enjoy, and we'd love if you check us out at philadelphiaeagles.com forward slash podcasts. See you next time. You have been listening to Return Game, House of Pain Game, presented by NovaCare Rehabilitation. During this time, as folks are choosing to stay home, NovaCare Rehabilitation is offering tele-rehab right from the comfort of your home. For more information, go to NovaCare.com. NovaCare, the power of physical therapy.